Welcome to the Stockdale UCC podcast. We hope that you are encouraged and find deeper purpose and meaning in your walk with Christ. If you would like more information about Stockdale United Christian Church, please visit us at stockdaleucc.org. Well, this morning, we are going to be reading in Romans. So for those of you who have been coming on Wednesday nights, you're getting ready to get a spoiler. Yep, that's right, spoiler of of what's coming. We've been studying in the book of Romans for the last, I don't know, month or so, and we are in the second chapter of Romans. That's right. Romans Romans is kind of a a big deal when you you look at at books of the Bible and, and and what's going on. And, and one of the reasons it is so is most of the churches that Paul instructs and, and is telling them about the plan of salvation, the gospel is uh, uh, laying down the foundation of doctrine. Most of the time, he did it in person. He would make, uh, you know, for Paul's missionary journeys where he would travel to all these different churches. Paul would go there and he would teach them for a while and he would spend time there teaching them uh, about Jesus and, and, and the doctrine of salvation and how all these things were laid out and how they all worked. Well, what's different here is that when Paul writes this letter to the Romans, Paul had never been to the church in Rome. He had never visited, he had never had an opportunity to get there. He wanted to, but could never do it. So when he's writing this letter, he's laying the foundations of of Christian doctrine that normally he would have done in person. He's doing it through the letter, so we get a really in-depth discussion, uh, a deep discussion of what it means to be saved. Of, 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 of what it means to be a sinner, of, of what it means that Jesus' sacrifice, justification by faith, all these things we find out about, the, the essentials of our faith, we find out about in the book of Romans. It, it, is, it is a critical book of the Bible. And if, you, if you've never read it, you need to read the book of Romans. You really do. Uh, I, I can't stress that enough. You need to make time just to go through the book of Romans. Take some time to, to slow down and, and read it and really understand it. Now, if you have a Wednesday evenings available, we're going through the book of Romans. So come on over, stop in, and, and, and get a chance. You can go through it with us as we go through and we're learning that. That's why uh, what we're doing on Wednesday night right now, we're calling it understanding your faith and being able to communicate it to others. Understanding it on a level that you're able to tell people about the gospel. Understanding what it is you believe more than just uh, the, yes, Jesus died for my sins, but really understanding it in, in a way that you're able to communicate that with others. So if you get a chance to come out, do that on Wednesday. However, if you can't, you're getting a little bit of a spoiler here tonight, or this morning, because we're reading in Romans, and we're going to talk about uh, a little bit of this stuff. Now, Romans chapter 3, verse 19 is where we're going to start. I hope that uh, I've, I've got several scriptures here. Uh, I've got a thought in my heart, uh, something that you know, the Lord's just been dealing with me on. And I hope <laughs> that I'm able to communicate that to you the same way that the Lord has given that to me. And that is my prayer this morning, that um, what He has spoken to me in my heart, that has been uh, such uh, an uplift to me, will we'll do the same for you and, and, and in your heart. So, Romans chapter 3. We have, and the, you know, like I said, we're in 
chapter 2 something right now. And, and the first, gosh, the, the first, I don't know, you get a small introduction at the beginning of Rome, Romans, and Paul kind of spills the bean a little bit, spills the beans a little bit there. But then you get into the last half of the first chapter, the whole second chapter, and even the first uh, part of chapter 3 of the book of Romans, and all Paul's talking about is how awful we are. Why we, I mean, we're, we're wicked. The, just the wickedness of men and how, how we, we create gods. And, and uh, you know, because uh, we, we didn't really like God the way he was because God's like, hey, I'm holy and this is what you need to do. And we're like, ah, I, I want to do my own thing. I'm going to do the things that make me happy. So like, well, well then man, he created, he created his own gods and, and, and after the likeness of birds and, and, and of men. And he created his own gods. He worshiped those because we wanted a God. We just didn't want that God, Right. So Paul's talking about all the types of sin uh, there at the end of chapter 1. He gives this big list of sins of, of that, that people commit. And then he turns around in chapter 2. And what he was talking about, all these wicked, awful people, all of a sudden said, then who are you who judge? Right? He turns around and he's pointing back at him and says, yes, you think the world is guilty. You think everyone else is guilty of all this stuff. You're guilty too. You're guilty of all the same things. So, so in the first part of the book of Romans, Paul is establishing the guilt of mankind. You're guilty. If you didn't know that, you didn't realize that this morning, you, you need to know, you need to understand the fact that all of us are guilty before God. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, it doesn't matter if, if you, you look at someone else, well, I'm not as bad as them. Uh, Paul, Paul tells us here in, in, in the second chapter that there is, it doesn't matter how much you judge someone else, it can't make you any better. One of the things we like to do is point out how bad other people are so that we don't feel so bad. Well, at least I'm better than them. But that doesn't cut it. You're guilty before God. And it is so depressing reading the first part of the book of Romans. Like, oh my goodness, we're just awful people and this is crazy. And then we get here and we're going to start at verse 19 and we start to see the transition that Paul is making from talking about how bad our sin is, how awful all this is, talking about the law and the law is pointing out all of our flaws. And then, then he flips the script right here. He turns everything around and, and, and talks about Jesus and the solution. Verse 19, Now we know that whatsoever, what things soever the law saith, it saith, them, saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Did you catch that? The things that were in the law weren't there for the saving of people, but so that everyone could see and know what is right and understand that they are guilty before God. You have no excuse. You're guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for the law is the knowledge of sin. See, you're just getting the tail end of all that, that stuff we was talking about, but that already sounds pretty bad, doesn't it? 
That's sounding pretty bad for us. Oh my goodness. And can you imagine if, if, if all you ever read was just the, 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 the first part of Romans and, and you, you, you stopped right here at verse 20 and you just quit and you're like, oh, I can't read anymore. You would be so depressed. You would go through the rest of your life and there's just no hope. There's no hope. But then in verse 21, something is about to change. But now, the righteousness of God without the law or outside of the law is manifested being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. So now he, he had been talking about the Jews and the Gentiles and all this stuff, but what he's saying here is now the righteousness of God Outside of the law, you didn't have to be justified by the law, right? But it's being manifest and it's witnessed by the law. Basically, the law is confirming and the prophets are confirming that this is true and right. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith in Jesus Christ. God's righteousness comes through faith in Jesus Christ unto all. And upon all who believe, he's saying everyone, not just the Jews, but to the Gentiles also, because there is no difference. We were all guilty. We all were sinful. But we all can be made right through faith in Jesus. Verse 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Boy, isn't that a powerful scripture? Well, I'm a good person. I do the right, well, all of sin and come short of the glory of God. But I'm a moral person. If we understand that all of sin and come short of the glory of God, all men are guilty before God. Everybody. There's no, nothing good that you can do. But there are people out there today, well, I'm a good man. I'm, I'm a good person. Guess what? You're guilty. You're not that good. You're not good enough. You're guilty before God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Okay, so we're going to see. I, I want to I'm gonna get, get some uh, interaction here. We're going to have some interaction. You ready? You're going to help me? I'm giving you plenty of warning. Now, we're going to have a... We're, we're gonna, I'm going to see who all belongs to this group. Okay? And if you belong to this group that I'm getting ready to say, I want you to raise your hand. Okay? Everyone. If you belong to the group of everybody, raise your hand. Well, come on. Yeah, if, if you're every, one of everybody. Yeah, so that should be everyone, right? I want to make that point. Now you can put your hand down. I want to make that point because the Scripture says for all. Yeah, so you are in the group of all. It was easier to say everybody than all. Now I know, I know we're, we're, we're in Pike County. I know that's super confusing to us when I say, okay, everybody raise your hand. And I've seen y'all, you're looking around confused like everybody. What's he talking about? No, everybody raise your hand because all, all of us. Me too. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, we're all guilty. But, but the righteousness of God is manifest. Today, right now, 
the law and the prophets bear witness that the righteousness of God is here through Jesus Christ. Now listen, verse 24, being, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remissions of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Did you catch that? Basically, what they're saying is, God offered up Christ. God, God offered up Christ that through Him, through Him, through His blood, through faith in His blood, that you could be righteous and your sins could be forgiven. That's right. God sent Jesus to be the payment, atonement for your sin. I was, some of you guys heard me testify last night about going to Chillicothe and I, I'd been studying and I come across something and I was telling my wife about it and just got all choked up talking about it and, and it was right here in this verse. This, this word, there's a word in here called propitiation. Did you guys hear that? We don't use that a lot, do we? That, that's really not in our vernacular. It's not kind of our everyday talky-talky. But um, the word propitiation is kind of an important word. You know, it, it's, it's used another time in the New Testament. And when it's used there, the, the word in Greek is helestron. And the word... Or halisterian. Halisterian. Let me get it right. Halisterian. And the word here, it's called propitiation. But when it's used the other time, it's actually written in Hebrews when they're talking about the Old Testament tabernacle and they're referring to the mercy seat. Okay? Now, I, I want... Who here, who here knows what the mercy seat is? If you know what the mercy seat, just kind of pop your hand. We got, I see a couple people... Kind of, yeah, there's a few kind of pop their hand up and know about the mercy seat. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paint a picture for you of something that absolutely just blew my mind. I'm telling you, it absolutely blew my mind. And um, hopefully it's going to blow yours. And I want you to understand what God had been setting up in Jesus Christ and what Paul, the reference that Paul is making. See, way back in the Old Testament, when God uh, was, was telling, uh, you know, laying down the law, he told Moses, you know, here are the things you need to build. You need to build a tabernacle. Here's the size of the tabernacle. Inside the tabernacle, you're going to have this little thing and it's going to contain the, the holy place. And inside of that, there's going to be a veil. And inside of that veil, behind that veil, is going to be the most holy place. And there in the most holy place there is going to be a thing called the ark of the covenant how many of you guys have heard of the ark of the covenant yeah you watch raiders of the lost ark didn't you yeah that's right i man, i will tell you that when i was a kid that that scene there at the end of the raider when the nazis opened that thing up and everything i absolutely it scared me to death I mean, I'm like, uh, and it was years before I could watch that movie again. And then I'm on the doll. I was like, oh, it wasn't a big deal. But it, it scared me to death when I was a kid watching that movie. But, but that, that, I mean, that, that was their idea of what the ark kind of looked like maybe. But, but there was a real ark. 
It wasn't just something that was made up for the movie. There, there was this real Ark of the Covenant, right? And, and God commanded them, you know, here's this specific way I want you to build the Ark. Now, you heard me make the reference of the mercy seat, right? The mercy seat is actually the lid of the Ark. Okay? So, they were commanded. This is in Exodus chapter 25, verse 17. It said, Thou shalt make a mercy seat, of pure gold. See, the rest of the ark, it was made out of wood, but it was covered with gold. But the mercy seat, the part that sat on the top, it was made out of pure gold. Two cubits and a half shall be the length thereof, and a cubit and a half the breadth. So that's the, the length and the width. And thou shalt make two cherubims of gold. You guys know what a cherubim is? It's an angel. Okay? You'll make two cherubims of gold, one on one end and one on the other end. Even the mercy seat shall ye make cherubims on the two ends thereof, and the cherubims shall stretch forth their wings, okay, on high, covering the mercy seat with their wings. Can I get, can I, hey, won't you two boys come up here? I'm going to use, yep, you two. Come on, jump up here. You guys are going to be my little angels this morning. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So stand right over here. So everybody can see you. Now, you had, you had these two cherubims, and they sat on each side of the mercy seat, and they had their wings outstretched like this. Stretch your wings out like this. Okay? Take a step back. Yep. And, and the ends of their wings were touching. So here you had this. It was gold, right? Pure gold. It wasn't wood covered in gold, but it was pure gold. And then on each side of it, you had these two cherubim, these two angels that were sitting there with their arms outstretched, right? One at the head and one at the foot. Now, you are, can you stand there for just a minute? Okay. Now, so here, here's what it says. It says that thou shalt put the mercy seat above the ark. Okay? So the ark, which was the box part. You're going to put the mercy seat above the ark. And you're going to put the testimony that I'm going to give you inside of it. So inside of the ark, the tablets, when God gave the law, the tablets of the law went inside of the ark. Aaron's rod that budded went inside of the ark. That was a deal where they were trying to select a priest. And why, why is it Aaron? Why is it Aaron? And God proved that Aaron was the priest because they took his dead staff that he was using, laid it in the temple, and they took one out of every tribe and they laid him in the temple. And Aaron's came, came to life, basically. So that was in the ark, a golden pot of manna, which was the food that God was providing for them when they were in the desert wilderness and there was nothing to eat. They put a golden pot of that inside the ark. So this was the testimony that was in the ark, but they were commanded to put the mercy seat on top of the ark. Okay? Now, verse 22, I want you to listen to this. You're going to put the testimony. You guys are doing good. You're going to put the testimony that I'm going to give you in the ark. And then it says, and there I will meet thee and I will commune with thee from above the mercy seat between the two cherubims which are upon the ark of testimony of all things which I will give thee in the commandment unto the children of Israel. So basically God is saying, listen, I, you're doing good, give me just another second. I am going to meet you above the mercy seat between the cherubims. That's where my presence is going to come down. Right here is the place. All right, give these guys a hand. They've done a great job. All right, you can go sit down. 
So now, we need to know, know a little bit about the function of what this mercy seat was. On the Day of Atonement, this, was, this is the, the big day, the big day of the year. This was the Day of Atonement. This was a day that all the sins of the people were going to be forgiven. I'm not going to go through the whole process, but what you need to know is after a, a, a ceremony of ritual purification, the high priest would come in this one time of the year, he would come into the tabernacle, and he will take the, the blood of a bull that had been slain for his purification, he would walk up to the mercy seat, and he would take his finger and he would dip it in the blood and he would sprinkle it on top of the mercy seat seven times. He would take the offering of the goat, which was slain for the sins of the people, and he would bring it in. And there he would dip his finger and seven times he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat. Now, inside the ark was the tablets of the law. And we just read here in Romans that Paul said that, that listen, verse 19, I'm going to read it again. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith them, saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. So Paul's saying that the law is so that no one can argue. Everybody knows you're guilty. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, listen to this, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law there is knowledge of sin. So inside of this box was the law. Inside of this box was the rod that budded is a miracle that God did, provision that a thing that God had provided, but He provided it because the people weren't content to listen to what God had already said. Inside was the manna, you know, the manna that God provided for the people, but because of their murmuring and complaining and, right? So, here you had the testimony, and the testimony that was contained in the ark was how guilty men are. The law that says that you're guilty. You're guilty. You're guilty. You're guilty. And on top of that, lied the mercy seat. And above the mercy seat was God's presence. And here as God comes down, He's looking down on the testimony in the ark and it says man is guilty. Man is guilty. Man is guilty. And once a year, the priest would come in and he would sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat and as God would look down on man's guilt, he would have to look through the blood. Amen? Now, I don't know what that does for you, but when it, it, it sure does, man, it, it is, it is messing me up. I'm telling you. Not like messing me up in a bad way, but I mean, in, in my spirit and in my heart, I'm just, I'm a little excited about that because as I, you're like, well, that was the high priest. Well, you just wait. You just wait a second. We're going to get there. But that high priest would come in and he would sprinkle that blood. And when God would see the guilt of man, he would look through the blood. He would look through mercy. That's why it's called the mercy seat. 
He would look through mercy at the guilt of man. Remember what brought us here was the fact that, that Paul referred to Jesus as, as the mercy seat, as the propitiation, as the mercy seat there. But I want to go to Hebrews. I want to go to Hebrews chapter 9. You ready? Verse 11. I'm going to give Jan a second. She's going to get there because I want you guys to follow along with this. Hebrews 9.11 There we go. But Christ, being come a high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. So it's saying that, you know, God, God said, here's the tabernacle, here, here's all these things, but he's, a, he's part of a greater and more perfect tabernacle. That is to say, not of this building. Verse 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. And for this cause... He is the mediator. What's a mediator? It's a go-between. Think about the picture of the ark. You've got God. You've got man. Man's sinfulness. But what set there in the middle, it was the go-between through everything that was going on. It was the mercy seat. Jesus is the mediator. He is, he's the one who stands in the middle for you and I. And for this cause, He is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, that they might receive the promises of eternal inheritance. See, the book of Hebrews wasn't written to the church in Rome who didn't know anything about the law, but it was written to the, the, the church in Jerusalem, the Hebrew people who understood the law. And the writer of Hebrews is explaining why Jesus uh, uh, was who He was and why He was better than what they were doing. And, and here He is, and He's saying, Christ becoming a more, more perfect high priest, a greater high priest, and a... Um, and part of a greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands. Listen, neither by the blood of bull. So, he wasn't like the high priest before who would go in and once a year he would, he would dip his finger and he would sprinkle the blood of that bull. Or he would dip his finger and he would sprinkle the blood of that goat and it would land there on the mercy seat. But, He walked in, not to an earthly tabernacle. Listen, you got to understand that. And, and the scripture bears this out, that the things that God laid up and, and laid out in the temple that was here on earth was, was just a, a sign of things in heaven. And there is a temple up there in heaven somewhere, and all these things happened that, that when Christ had died, He walks in there, and, and there on the mercy seat, by His blood. By His blood. He wasn't a priest walking into an earthly temple. 
and sprinkling blood to cover the guilt of man. But He went into the holy place and with His own blood and with His own life, He covered our guilt. And when God looks down on you, He sees you through the blood. When He looks at your guilt, He sees it through the blood. When He sees all your iniquity and that you've fallen short, He's looking through the blood. Let me ask you a question. In all of this that I've talked about, what exactly was it that you did there? <laughs> exactly, Jeff. All you did was sin. All you did was guilty. That, that's all you were. You was just guilty. And it, I, I don't understand. I guess I kind of do because you know people get the wrong impression sometimes that that being a Christian is about how good you can be and and if you're able to do it and if if you can live good enough and be clean enough and be perfect enough then you might be able to be a Christian. But I want you to understand the only thing that I brought to this equation of my salvation was my guilt. That's the only thing I brought. And my, 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 my redemption wasn't bought by me. It wasn't paid for by me. It wasn't my blood that was sprinkled on the mercy seat. It wasn't through me that God is looking down and saying, oh, Aaron's okay. But it was 100% fully wrought and built by God and brought by God and executed by God. And I'm telling you this morning that if you're getting saved, if you are a believer in Christ, you're going to heaven because of what Jesus did and not what you do. Amen. And to the people who think, there's no way that I can be a Christian, you don't have a part to play in whether you can be a Christian or not. Jesus paid the price for you. That's a little extreme. What do you mean? I'm telling you, you're not going to get to heaven because of your goodness. You have nothing to offer. See, in Romans, Verse 24 that we was reading, Romans 3.24, it says, and being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be the propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sin that are passed through the forbearance of God. You know what that said, right? You're going to be righteous because you put faith in His blood. <laughs> That's it. I'm saved this morning because I believed that the blood of Jesus could save me. How about that? I'm going to heaven this morning. Not because I could save myself where I was good enough or I was great, but because I did one little thing and I just believed that Jesus could do it. How about that? 
And you know the only thing that keeps people today from punching their ticket to heaven, getting right with God, is believing that the blood of Jesus is able to do it. That's it. That's all there is. You understand why I got so excited about this, don't you? You get why I'm so excited about this stuff, right? Why it's such a big deal. God painted a picture thousands and thousands and thousands of years before Christ came of who He was going to be and what He was going to do. So when He come around, we would know as, as Paul said, that the, the law and the prophets, they, they basically, they, they, they watched it, they seen it. They bore witness. They knew it was coming. They prophesied about it. He was, he was uh, enshrined in the law of God who Christ was going to be. The prophets prophesied of the man who was going to come and save his people from their sins. And here came Jesus for you, for me. This morning, I want to ask you a question. It's a really serious question. Do you believe that the blood of Jesus is powerful enough, strong enough to cover your sin? This morning, can you put your faith in that? I'm not, I'm not asking you to put faith in yourself and your ability to do anything. But I, I'm, here's my question. Can you put your faith in that? That Jesus, the blood of Christ, can cleanse you of your sins? If you can believe that, you can be saved. If you can do that, you can be saved. Thank you for listening to the Stockdale UCC podcast. We hope this has been a blessing to you and that you will share this with your family and friends. For more information about Stockdale United Christian Church, please visit us at stockdaleucc.org and be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Stockdale underscore UCC.